Welcome to Engaging Culture, a podcast presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. I'm Brian Kiley. On today's episode, Pastor Lance Hanna and I are going to talk through some keys to banishing fear. We are living in fearful, anxious, and uncertain times, and there's certainly plenty going on in our world that can provoke fear, but our faith repeatedly teaches us not to fear, uh, and that raises a lot of questions, namely, how do we actually go about doing that? So we're going to talk about strategies we can use to banish fear uh, and live with hope, boldness, and courage on this episode of Engaging Culture. Well, hi, everybody. Happy Tuesday to you. If you're watching and listening live, welcome to season four, episode five of the Engaging Culture podcast. Pastor Brian here with Pastor Lance. Pastor Lance, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. It's good to be back on Engaging Culture because it seems like we took a little bit of a break. Yes, we were, neither of us were on the last episode, which I'm pretty sure it was the first episode that neither of us appeared on, but it was actually great. And I'm just going to, I am going to assume that the fact that it was great had nothing to do with the fact that we were not on it, right. rather only because Heather Johnson and the guests that she had had such amazing content. So if you missed that episode, if you're a parent especially, go back and listen. Uh, you're going to love it. It was it was really, really helpful stuff. Uh, I want to point out for those watching on video that Lance has joined me in the AirPods Club. I was noticing that right before we came online. So uh, congratulations, Lance, on, on being uh, here. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'd like to thank all the people I stepped on to get here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, these are pretty awesome, just pointing that out. Um, I was I was laughing with Pastor Brian explaining that there are numerous times when because of the cords that were attached and how tall I am, I almost strangled myself trying to stand <laughs> up and walk around while I have them on. So I'm not exactly the most coordinated individual, apparently. <laughs> so for your own personal health. Yes, and safety. You have gone gone the Bluetooth route. Well, we are yeah. grateful for your 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 safety. For uh, you're, we're grateful that you're now able to be safe and not subject to the terrible hazard of uh, of a headphone cord. But uh, <laughs> all right. So today, Lance, we're talking about uh, a subject that you've done a lot of speaking and a lot of writing on. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about fear, but we're not going to focus on fear so much uh, today. As much as we're gonna we're gonna begin with fear and then segue that into just some practical strategies. That that we can use to uh, to not live with fear and to not allow that to be the dominant emotion that we are uh, experiencing. Uh, experiencing, but uh, to to start out, um, can we just talk about fear for a second? And 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 first of all, why is it? Do you think that we as human beings tend to just go the direction of fear and being fearful and being anxious and work. Why does that just seem so natural to, to so many of us? And I, I freely admit it's very, na- it's all too natural to me. Why is it that we gravitate to fear so quickly? Yeah, I, I think so at the heart of almost all fear is loss of control or inability to control something. And I think the fragility of humanity, uh, we try to pretend that we're not because we're at the top of the food chain because we are um, able to do so many incredible things in in our normal, active, regular life, uh, we tend to feel like we're the boss and that means that we are uh, tougher than we actually are. When we're made aware of how lack of control is a reality for us, it freaks us out, okay? So we don't like that. So if something happens, like for example, one of the reasons it got so triggered for this pandemic is because it was not something we had done before. So new 
triggers nervousness because we're not sure if in the new reality we're going to have control over it. And then when we started having uh, competing opinions as to how to solve it and there weren't experts on it, that created uncertainty. Uncertainty makes us nervous. So anyway, I would just say that uh, we come, we're playing a little bit a lie when we think that we're in control of everything. Um, As a matter of fact, many of you that are parents will realize that sometimes kids begin to manifest fear um, sometimes around like third grade or fourth grade. It's that their awareness is opening up that the world is bigger than just what their parents are controlling. And so that automatically makes them have a realization. So anyway, I just think it's uh, just unable to control stuff. Yeah. Well, and it's, it, it, it's interesting when we experience events that sort of shatter that illusion of control. Cause I think as, as you've referenced right. in, in different words, this idea that like, we're, we're not, we're not nearly as in control as we think we are when things are going no. well. Right. That, no. that really what, what happens when, when situations in life, whether they're global in nature, like a lot of what we're walking through right now or individual in nature, just the personal challenges and, and hardships we face, what, what that's doing is it's not, in some ways it is creating a new reality, but it's not creating a new reality as much as it is shattering our illusions. That's the point. Yeah. And, and, and that obviously can be very disorienting for us. So, uh, so then my next question is what in, in your view are maybe some, some, some unhealthy ways and we could probably fill the whole hour with this, but what are some unhealthy ways that we can uh, respond to, to fear provoking situations and anxiety provoking situations? Um, well, I think that one of the things is allow our minds to go wherever they want. See, that, that's a bit of a challenge. So in the second book that I wrote, The Master's Mind, it was talking about the fact that we're supposed to be in charge of where our brains go. Uh, just like our bodies, we don't just let our bodies do whatever they want to do. We harness them. Paul talked about, I beat my body into submission so that I might be able to follow the Lord. Well, in the same way, it talks about let us be renewed in our minds and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And what that means is sometimes when fear hits, we just lean into it and just ride the wave and we end up in the craziest places. So probably one of the things is absolutely uh, just letting it go wherever it wants to go. That would, that would be a first one. What do you have some? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I I think that's, that's really good. And, and, and certainly some, some sort of mental discipline in in that regard is really, is really important. I, I think also, uh, we as as human beings, I think in general, are we're not good with mystery. We are right. we are not good with things we don't understand. Uh, we're not good, especially in this day and age where so much is available so quickly. We're not very patient when it comes to yes. getting information and, and things to that effect. So so what can happen is when we're in the midst of situations that are uncertain, we can grasp for explanations when maybe we need to be a little bit more patient and wait for, for proper explanations. And, and I think something I've talked about, I feel like it was on this podcast or maybe, I don't know, some other program that we do uh, is, is talking about this idea of, of there are just, there are limitations to human language that make it difficult to, to communicate about different ideas. Yeah. So, so you say things, right. for example, like, uh, Hey, we need to not believe conspiracy theories. Well, nobody thinks they believe conspiracy theories. No one's like, you know what? I'm really into conspiracy <laughs> theories, right? But certainly conspiracy theories are pervasive in our, in our culture at, at all times, but, but very much, I think 
all the more so in this weird kind of time that we're living in. Yeah. And why is it that these theories gain traction? It's because they're offering an explanation yeah. that eases some of our uncertainty. Now, the problem is those explanations are oftentimes wildly inaccurate. Uh, yeah. So it only it only contributes to our sort of lostness in the moment, but it makes us feel better, right? So, so I think that this idea of of seeking explanations to that which we find mysterious or seeking understanding where we're lacking understanding, like that's all good. We should seek those things out, but we need to be careful that we're not accepting overly simplistic explanations for various phenomena we're seeing in the world around us. And, and that there are times that we just need to acknowledge, you know what, we don't understand what's going on. Experts don't understand what's going on. And we just have to live in the tension of mystery for a little while. And, and I'll admit I, I don't really like doing that. It's it's hard. You know, one thing that is really added to that is the generation uh, that grew up on TV. So um, it alters that we assume that it's all like TV. So, for example, everything should kind of reconcile and be solved by the end of the half hour or the end of the hour. And we run to TV and movies because they give us closure and they give us answers when, in fact, those are fabricated. So I think that creates, let me give you an example. So my brother, uh, he runs the criminal division of Reno and he used to travel around and do teachings on the CSI effect, which was the show CSI was giving people an improper view of how easy it was to peg the bad guys and have all the data that's actually created by a television show. And it's not realistic. And the problem was in juries, they were consistently saying, you haven't given us enough proof because they were thinking in their minds, the TV show, if that was right, those people should have been able to present better. And so it was actually distorting our criminal justice system because of expectations. Well, in the same way, it causes us unsettledness when all of a sudden we face a pandemic and they go, uh, well, we're going to switch it. Well, first, this is helpful. No, this is helpful. Then this is, and people started getting angry because they thought they were getting jerked around on purpose. When in fact, health officials were trying to figure the mystery out and doing their best along the way. So yeah. anyway, just letting you know, uh, TV doesn't exactly help on this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. And, and I do like the idea of, of yes, the, the, the whole concept of, um, Things are going to resolve at the end of the episode. My yeah. my wife and kids have been watching uh, Fuller House recently, which is a pretty right. funny show. I have to admit, the Full House re reboot. But like Full House is like the classic example of like every bit of tension is resolved at the end of right. the twenty four minutes, and we're all hugging and listening to soft music by the end of it. Right. right. And 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 that, I mean, hey, listen, if you can solve your problems that fast, God bless you. Right. But Amen. certainly when it comes to more complex situations, it's not always that clean and easy. And it is sort of funny how we can, uh, yeah, we can, like, I don't think any of us would like consciously say, yes, I expect this is how my life is going to work. And yet we allow those things to, to, to influence us, which is, which is pretty funny. Now, um, another thing that we could easily spend an hour on, but I just want to touch on briefly, what in your mind, Lance, maybe you could just talk talk personally for you, mm -hmm. what are some strategies you employ just to try to keep fear at bay and, 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 and not allow it to, to dominate your, your own mind and your own thoughts? Yeah. So for me, uh, a couple of the pieces are number one, I clip it immediately. Um, I have to handle it right away. I always use the analogy of it's like a telephone pole. 
Um, if you were on a ladder and you were told to keep the telephone pole up and it just starts to move, you have about a foot that you have control over. The minute it starts getting further than that and starts to topple over, you're not going to pull it back. It's too heavy. So uh, first of all, I clip it right at the beginning and address it. Uh, and I look for warning signs within my body to see if I'm, I'm reacting out of fear because sometimes it, you don't realize how much your body's buying into something your mind hasn't quite picked up on. Um, and then the other thing is I make sure that I give my, uh, my body and my mind a chance. So I watch out on, um, I don't make it worse with stimulants, coffee, caffeine, um, chocolate, sugar, these types of things in it, when I'm in an anxious place. Um, and I have to watch out for things like exercise and diet pieces while at the same time limiting the inputs that are around me. So once again, I have to bring my world a bit more into order so that my body has a chance to process things a little bit more in order. But I, I mean, you have to deal with it as well as a human being. What, what do you do? What do you yeah. do when you have fear? Yeah, a lot of a lot of similar stuff. Um, but I think that the two biggest ones for for me are are number one. Kind of you you touched on this is is managing inputs, is yeah. is uh, kind of the idea that uh, I really am careful where what what and who gets access to uh, my brain and my eyes and and everything else. Uh, that means not spending a lot of time on, on social media. That means I was just, I think I was telling you just yesterday that uh, even on, I mean, I try not to go on Facebook much, which is ironic. We're broadcasting live on Facebook. Uh, I would say of my Facebook friends that post, I have unfollowed probably 90% of them. That I only follow those who I feel like are actively benefiting my life in some way. And I had someone say to me, well, wait a second, don't you want to stay in touch with people? And I say, yeah, I do that by actually staying in touch with people and not just observing their life from afar. Um, so, so, but, but the thing is, is it obviously, uh, you know, the internet and social media can just be this like cesspool of fear mongering information. And, and I just don't need that in my life. So I really am careful about, about guarding my inputs and, and making sure I am, uh, I'm reading real news, not fake news. I am not obsessing over, even with real news, I'm not obsessing over, oh my gosh, let me, uh, let me read about everything that's going wrong in the world because that's, I mean, so much of our media is what's going wrong in the world because that's what attracts eyeballs. And, and I'm trying to make sure I'm living my life in reality with what's in front of me, with the relationships that matter to me, with the things that I am supposed to be doing with my life and not just letting myself spin out of control by consuming content that's going <laughs> to make me nervous and anxious. Uh, and I think even, and that's, and that's in the world of, um, of like, you know, news and nonfiction, even in my fictional inputs, right? Like I'm not, I don't know. I just, I don't watch stuff that's going to scare me. I don't watch stuff that's going to make me, you know, afraid about the world around me. I just don't need that, uh, in my life. And then, uh, and then I think just the, you, you referenced this, the, the physical component as well, of moving my body, getting up, clearing my head, going for walks, making sure I'm, I mean, even as we're in this weird work from home, you know, situation that I'm, you know, maybe I'll take a break and do some push-ups. or again, I can, you know, I have like different walking paths I can do in my neighborhood where it's like, this is 10 minutes, this is 20 minutes and just get out and, you know, move and maybe listen to something encouraging. But man, I, I think so much fear can be if not eliminated, at least minimized by, by guarding our inputs and, and maintaining some healthy habits in our lives. And uh, I, I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of benefit there. So um, 
Now, we're going to talk today about some specific antidotes to fear, and we're going to talk about how we can go about being people who, in the, in the midst of these kind of fearful and anxious and nervous times, how do we live with courage? How do we live with boldness? And, and how do we live with hope? Now, uh, I, I want to I send it over to you, Lance, just to sort of to start us off uh, with, uh, you have some sort of biblical examples of folks who lived with courage and with boldness. Uh, so, so help us understand, what can, what can some different figures from Scripture teach us about, uh, about courage and boldness and, and sort of the root of those things? Yeah, I've been uh, just reflecting. And as a matter of fact, this kind of was gelling even yesterday as you and I were talking. It just popped into my head and I went back and did some studies. And um, so it all began with this question. And you can ask yourself this one and see where it leads you. But it was this question, what gave David, who we think of as King David, he wasn't king yet, but what gave David the idea and confidence to challenge a giant Philistine to a death match when all of Israel's best soldiers who were older and more trained than he, while they were afraid, it says King Saul and everybody was afraid, but yet David did something different. So, and what was the source? I mean, if you want to ask it a different way, what's the source of the boldness that you see in all these people in the Bible? So you got uh, Peter, everyone else wants to stay in the boat. Peter wants to get out of the boat. What gave him that idea? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? They were the ones that faced with a fiery furnace. They actually said the phrase, our God can save us. Like they were fully convinced. They said, but even if he does not, we're not bowing down. We'll walk right into the fire. You're like, what in the world created that? And then the apostles, when they were arrested, they were told by the religious leaders, you will never say, uh, preach about Jesus again. And they said, we have to obey God rather than man. So honestly, we can't say that. We're going to continue to preach the Lord. So when we look at all these Bible characters, they kind of give a bit of a Narnia feel because you're like, oh, they must be living a different life than me. They must have super supplements that make them unafraid, right? And, and that is not the case at all. As a matter of fact, one of the most common commands in all of scripture, uh, and I think it was something like there's 365 of them. You know, they talk about one for every day of the year, that kind of thing, which is probably not accurate, but anyway, sounds good. <laughs> Um, uh, one of the most common commands is do not be afraid. And God would never say that if people weren't super afraid all the time. So fear is just a reality. As a matter of fact, when we talk about fear, a lot of us are like, oh, I don't like being afraid. Fear is always good. And because it is telling your body something's wrong. The problem is what we are putting in front of it that's creating it to think something's wrong when something's not wrong. Does that make sense? So we're creating a false picture. So then our body as a secondary emotion is going, we have to avoid that. Well, you just made it up or society yeah. just made it up or yeah. you didn't realize that Jesus was there and that he's in control. So your body is actually giving you the right response. You're giving it the wrong feed, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, so ultimately what really changed in those moments and what was different about those people that gave them bravery and courage to do what we would consider unthinkable, right? And at the heart of it, it's that they are convinced that with God, all bets are off. Everything is open and different, and it filled them with hope, and that in turn allowed them to live with courage. And so what we end up finding out is that a critical key to greater bravery is a high view of God. And we'll, and we'll unpack that in, in, in a moment. 
Yeah. But we're going to be tempted to respond with fear and anxiety, right? Right. But I think as you were alluding to in our conversation yesterday, there is a hope that can be infused in. So kind of before I kind of go into the rest of it, tell us a little bit about how, as we're weaving through this, what the hope piece seems to be. Yeah, well, I actually want to comment on the, the, the something you said about fear a second ago, because sure. I think it was really good. Just this, this idea that you just talk about how f- fear is sort of always, like there's always going to be reason to be afraid, yeah. and that fear in and of itself is not necessarily bad. That, that like no. you said, it is, it is uh, signaling something to, to us that we need right. to understand. And uh, there's, a, there's a, a favorite quote of mine from a theologian named Stanley Hauerwas, who I, I read a lot of in, in seminary. And he says this, he says, the courageous have fears that cowards never know. And, mm. and I think that's, re- that's really profound to me, this idea that it's living so with courage, living yeah. with courage does not mean there is no fear. Uh, no. it, but rather, it's putting yourself in situations where there's reason to fear, but overcoming that fear with with, with yeah. courage. And I would I would absolutely agree with with what you said that that ultimately courage, bravery, these sorts of mentalities. Uh, I mean, we can try to find them in lots of different places, but it is ultimately a high view of God and a, and a, a strong sense that He is with us and that His will will be done that can yeah. give us courage, uh, courage and bravery. And then with that, I think we can live with with hope as well, that, yeah. uh, that in the Bible so often what, um, what hope means is a little bit different than the way that we might think of it today. Whereas I might say, boy, I hope uh, I don't lose power today when it's 109 degrees. Like that, I'm, that is an outcome I would prefer, right? right. But that hope in the Bible is more about trust, uh, that you'll see this phrase, we put our hope in you uh, or put our hope in the Lord. And the idea is, that we are placing that, that where where is our trust being placed? And in our world today, there are, you know, a lot of this is a bit cliche, but there are so many places we can place our hope that that can ultimate that ultimately that that the wisdom of that is exposed in times of crisis, right? Where we put our hope in financial security and we run into problems with that. We put our hope in our physical health and that, you know, we've been, we didn't have trouble in that way. I mean, we're, we're coming into an election season. I mean, so much of the, the fear and that, that anger and the vitriol that comes out in that, I, I think is largely because so many of us have put our hope in political parties and different, different outcomes in, in, in that, in that regard. But that when our hope is in the God who was in the beginning, who is now and is to come, uh, the, the God who is unchanging, uh, the God who does not leave us nor forsake us, that what that does is it can start to turn down the volume of fear because at the end of the day, we know that no matter what happens, God is with us. And we know that no matter, no matter what happens, that he has placed a calling on our lives to represent him in the world. And this can be something that, that, that I think, you know, in addition to everything we've talked about in terms of guarding our influences and, and exercise and, and health and diet and all that, can do so much to turn down the volume of fear. Just that, that settledness to know that, okay, where is my hope? my hope is not in something that can be affected by circumstance. My, my hope is in, is in Christ and that that pervades, uh, pervades all things. So uh, that, that's where to me, and that I think the idea of hope fits very neatly with the idea of, 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 of bravery, boldness, courage, and all of that as well. Yeah. I recently, uh, I just taught at Rolling Hills uh, church up in El Dorado Hills. And uh, this analogy came to me 
and I shared it. I said, why is no one terrified about the amount of toddlers in Disneyland? Like, like there are toddlers and there are little kids everywhere and no one seems to be afraid. And yet there's roller coasters that they could fall off of. There's things that they could eat. They're not supposed to eat. There's, you know, there's, there's strangers and no one's freaking out. Why is everyone so calm that there's so many children everywhere? And it's because of who they're walking with. You understand what yeah, I'm saying? That's like, super good. They're, like that. They're a, their parent is with them. And you go, oh, that changed the entire scenario. Yep. Who they're walking with and who they're attached to alters their reality. So there is no need for fear. That's us, you guys. Yeah. Who are we attached to? Who are we walking with? All those dangers that are possible are actually eliminated by the parent that is walking with us and he is yeah. a good, good father. So anyway, just a little yeah. side note. No, that's, that's super important. And, and I think that, that that analogy is really helpful in, in, in a point that I wanted to make, and then we'll continue on with some of our, you know, so the practicalities of how do we, how do we live with, with boldness and courage is, is I just think about this a lot of, you know, how, how can, how are we as followers of Christ going to, going to meet the moment that, that we're in, in terms of all of the uncertainty swirling with, with the pandemic and, and all of that. And, and it's unfortunate. And I hear people talk to me and people probably talk to you, you know, in the same way. Uh, I hear from Christians that they're, they're frustrated by the amount of fear that they're seeing from, from, from others in the, in the Christian world, that, that, that we are sort of embracing conspiracy theories that we're just, I mean, everything is a threat that, uh, I mean, it was in a conversation this weekend about, uh, oh, or is mask wearing training us for the occult? And I, you know, very gently said, uh, no, it's not. Uh, you know, there are all these fears about what's going to happen with if there's a vaccine and this and that, and are they going to implant something in us? And, and just all this stuff is out there. And, I want to be careful and I want to be gentle because I recognize, again, we're in a fearful place, which causes us to believe these things. But I just think, man, the, the world is looking at us when we embrace those sorts of ideas and, and all they see is fear and, and all they see is fear. And I just think, man, what, what if we as the body of Christ met this moment, not with fear, but instead, we met the moment with hope that there was a sense of, of settledness with us because we know who we're walking with. We're all toddlers yeah. running around in Disneyland, but we're good because we're walking with our, our father, right? We, we meet the moment with a sense of, of settledness that says, you know, I don't need to, I don't need to panic. I don't need to, to, to embrace these, these types of ideas, but instead I can, I can just live with, with confidence. I can live with a sense of mission and purpose, even in the moment that we're in, because I know my, my dad is with me now. To, to extend your analogy out a little bit more, when you've got an unsupervised toddler who can't find their parents, they're going to freak out, right? Yeah, right. And I think that, that too often we can be the toddlers who, who panic because we forget that our father is actually right there next to us. And, yeah. and I think, man, there's, there's a great opportunity in this moment to, to be an example to the world of what it looks like to not give in to fear in these types of, these types of situations. You know, two passages came to mind when you were talking. One of them is kind of our family home verse. It's Joshua 1.9. Be strong and courageous. Do not be discouraged and do not be uh, dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What's intriguing about that is Joshua had a lot of places to go and, and face a lot of challenges. It was not God will keep you safe if you don't go anywhere. 
Mm. If you just stay in your safe little box, he'll keep you safe. It was, you have a lot of things to do. You have a lot of places to go and a lot of challenges to face. None of them should move you because it doesn't matter. I'm still in charge of those areas too. The other one that was intriguing to me uh, that just popped in my head was Psalm 23, the Lord's my shepherd, that one, where it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Sheep will not lay down unless they are absent from danger. Hmm. And it means that, that your protection is so significant that that which the enemy could try to bring about can be stopped. So you're able to lie down. He allows me that option to lay down in peace. So yeah. anyway, just a couple things to add into our conversation. Yeah. Now, now you said a minute ago, and I want to I wanna have you unpack this for us a little bit. You said a minute ago, a critical key to greater bravery is a higher view of God. And, yeah. and you, you have two particular ways that we can go about building that, that higher view of God. Can you, can you talk yeah. through those, uh, those two different ways? Yeah, for sure. The first one is a proper theology. And that means thinking about God more rightly. Thus, it means correcting our view of reality. Because God's view of reality is actually the real one, what we are perceiving. So, for example, the reality was you can walk on water. The reality was the disciples were not going to drown. But they were perceiving a wrong reality that Jesus wasn't there and that they were in danger. And he rebuked them for it. He said, why are you not tracking on my reality? Because this is possible. Peter, come on out. I'll even demonstrate it to you. I create a different reality. So first of all, a proper theology of understanding who God is, thus, who are we in light of who he is, is critical, number one. The second one is experience with him. Experience with him, right? So let me just show you real quick. In that story, we kind of kicked it off with David and Goliath. Let me, let me real quick walk you through that passage, those of you that are viewing and listening to this. So here's how the story goes. David was described at the beginning of the story by someone that knew him when he was first going to get hired into Saul's service as a worship dude. Okay, And this is how he was described. He said, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, that's music, a man of valor, that's bravery, a man of war, meaning he can get aggressive when necessary, prudent in speech, he knows how to talk well, and is a man of good presence. And then here's the key, and the Lord is with him. So what a cool description of, that's what I would love for all those things to be said about me. Now, here's what's interesting. His actual job at the time was that he was the personal worship guy to the King Saul at the time of David and Goliath, and he was a shepherd for the family business. So he did not have anything dramatic. He was not doing anything violent. He was not doing anything in warfare. He didn't even get invited to the war that they were doing with the Philistines. Then he ends up going up to just deliver supplies to his three brothers who are on the front line. And it says, Goliath comes out, he does his big thing. Hey, you guys need to challenge me. And it says, when Saul and all Israel heard the words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. So everyone's shaking in their armor, it says, right? And what's intriguing is it says, David, here's Goliath's challenge. And he's instantly offended. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. did you just make fun of God? Like, you can't do that on our watch. Right now, everyone else is worried about the threat. He's worried about God's reputation. He's thinking something totally different than everyone else is thinking. 
It says, and David said to the man who stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away this reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? In other words, he knew you don't mess with God and we're his kids. So we got a problem here. King Saul hears about him. His brothers rebuke him. They're like, dude, you're just trying to spout off your mouth. You don't know what you're talking about. King Saul hears about it, calls him up. And David says to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of Goliath. Your servant will go. I'll fight the Philistine. And what's intriguing is the next response is a man who is older and wiser in life experience starts telling him you would never win. You're actually not good at this. Like, dude, we're the warriors around here. You're shepherd guy. It's not going to work for you. But listen to how David reasons it out. It says, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear or, and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard. I struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. So once again, he relied back on experience that he's had with God already. And he's like, no, no, no. My God defends me and stuff like this. I'm ready to go. King Saul, so convinced after listening to this man's faith, he puts the whole army at risk because the deal was, let's have our champions fight and whoever wins, wins. So everybody was in danger. Sure enough, he confronts Goliath. Goliath insults David and starts sowing more doubt. You're not nearly as big as me. You don't matter. I'll crush you. But David isn't even moved. And this is what's interesting. This is the last passage I'll read. But it says, then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of his armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you down and I'm going to cut off your head. And that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword or spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. And here's where you see the rubber meet the road. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to David to fight, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. He was so convinced inside and out, he ran into battle. There was not even a hesitancy. He's like, I'm going to kill this guy, and I'm going to do it fast, and ran in. So we're right back to it. High view of God. God can do anything to anyone at any time. Experience. I've seen God work with lions. I've seen God work with bears. This is going to go down. David yeah. had built his faith on God. Yeah. Yeah. And you can, you can, yeah, as you've pointed out, you can see in that, in, in the story, uh, you're right. I mean, one of the things that's always stuck out to me uh, in that story is, is David's, to use your language, his, his high view of God, his complete confidence that, uh, that because God was with him, he had the power to do things that in the natural seemed impossible. And, and that's an element of the story that is just profound and, and inspiring to me as well. But then, like you said, his experience element as well. It's like, I've seen God work in the past and I'm I, so I can have confidence he's he's going to work now in the present. Now, here's a question I have for you, and then I, I want we're gonna we're gonna 
lean into more, okay, what, what does this mean for us today? Yeah. You're talking about this idea of experience of God being yeah. something that can, can build our faith and to give us greater bravery and courage and boldness. What would you say to the person who says, you know, I, I don't know if I have that experience with God in the past where I've seen him do these, these incredible things. Uh, so, so I have a hard time trusting in the place of, you know, trusting in that sense, just because I haven't had that experience myself. What would you say to somebody who's in that kind of situation? Um, first of all, I understand you. Um, you are the majority. Um, I believe that there's something different for you. And there's something really critical. We're in a moment, we're going to talk about what faith is. Faith always comes from the revelation of God. It's trusting him in his word. Hope is trusting in his character. And the reason why those two are different is David was not operating in faith uh, per se as he went forward because God never told him to kill a Philistine. He was operating under the experience he had with God saying that the nature of God has rescued me in this, this, and this. Therefore, it only makes sense that he would rescue me in this area. That's actually hope. And so because it's a matter of trust, he was trusting God was going to back up the check that he was writing, right? Because he's going to run into this, but God never told him to do that. That's the difference between faith and hope. When we talk about having that experience, it's that have we ever walked into the smaller things? Because I'll tell you the first couple of times he ever dealt with bears or lions, he was probably scared out of his mind. And I, and I think that the critical piece is that faith and hope needs to be built over a time with smaller engagements to create a history by which you can rely back on. I personally, and I don't know how much we're going to get into this, but I personally believe that Christians are always waiting to be amazed by God and they wait for him to prove it before they ever walk into a challenge. We want God to build our faith, but that's actually not his job. Um, The disciples cried out to him and said, increase our faith. The man who didn't believe that Jesus could cast out the demon of his son. He said, increase my faith. You're allowed to cry out for it, but that is actually a miracle for him to give more of that to you. It's supposed to be built by walking with him in risk prior. So we do the small things before we ever get to the big things. Yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting too, even you look at the way God dealt with Israel in, in so much of the uh, kind of early parts of the Old Testament, where there's these, these constant reminders as, as God is giving the law, as he is, he is giving different commands. And, and, and what does he say over and over again? He says, says things to the effect of, uh, remember, remember, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Israel. Or yeah. sorry, who brought you out of Egypt? Egypt, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, not not Israel, Egypt, and and the uh, you know the reason for that is not that uh, God is trying to be, hey, remember I I did this for you, you owe me. That's not the point. Yeah, that's the point right. was remember what I did in the past because they like us were forgetful people who attend to forget, forget God's faithfulness in the midst of challenges. Remember what I've done for you in the past so that now you can trust me in the future. And I think with that, the point you made is so important to say that, that, that you're right, that, that faith is ultimately built on our past experience and, and that faith, yes, God can, God can miraculously do whatever he wants, 
But certainly it seems his pattern more often than not is he builds our faith as we learn to trust him in smaller things. And then that leads to being able to trust him in, in bigger situations. So I think a fair question to ask to somebody who, ha- who hasn't had that experience is just to kind of say, okay, what does it look like to trust God, maybe in a small way beyond yeah. your capacity now so that that sort of muscle can begin to grow a little bit. Now that sort of touched on the experience element uh, and, and kind of this idea that yes, we we're waiting to be amazed and waiting for God to prove himself. Uh, but ultimately uh, you know, his job is to, he, he is faithful and it's our job to sort of trust him and to, 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 to live our life in a way that builds that sense of confidence and that sense of faith. Talk to us about the theological element of that as well. Cause, cause one of your points was experience and one of them is, is theology. What, what, how does a high, how does a, uh, a, a more robust or, or clearer understanding of God help us with all of this and how do we develop that? Yeah, so we look at the habit of patterns of mindset and thought of what are we focusing on. So we spend way more time looking at problems than looking at God. We spend more time worrying than praying. We fill our minds with challenges, but we barely ever read about the solution. We have this low view of God, so we don't feel bold in his name. We don't believe that he's on our side. We don't believe that he's generous with his resources, all these types of things, right? And, and so our theology is that it's become skewed. We have more confidence in the bad than confidence in the good. And it can be just that simple. We, the more you think on something, you know, it's interesting. It says you'll become what you worship. Worship means spending, spending a special attention towards something. When we are spending all of our time in worry and looking at things that are wrong, we're actually building them up larger in our mind. If you ever heard the phrase in worship saying, let's magnify the Lord, it means make him as big as he should be. It means make him bigger in your mind. Well, we magnify problems. We magnify challenges. So that when we get down there, the Goliath is not nine and a half feet. He's suddenly 24 feet. And you're like, well, that's completely absurd. Well, he's not really that, but we magnified him in our minds. And so yeah. the theology is, is to resettle things back into where they're supposed to be according to God, because he's the one that gets to dictate that. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. Uh, that's, that's, that's really good. Now, can, can we maybe put a little bit finer point on this as, as we are, uh, and it's, it's hard to generalize because so many of us are dealing with just a variety of challenges as we're, yeah. you know, just all the different stuff going on with, with COVID and everything else. Talk to us about how theology and experience can help us mitigate some of the fear that some of us might be feeling in, in connection with, with the specific moment that we're in. Yeah. So, um, first of all, when you are walking into uncertainty alone, there should be a certain level of fear. When you're walking into uncertainty with someone who has already been there 30,000 times, there is less fear. So, for example, I remember the first time, uh, this is a long, long time ago, um, I rappelled for the first time <laughs> off a rock. And that's the, you know, you have your little bole on, you know, the little clip thing and the wires and they connected them and we were doing rock climbing. And when you first, rock climbing is completely fine as long as you don't have to do the first part. The first part, you're leaning out over the rock and trusting this rope and you're leaning out in an angle that if that rope moves, 
you're done for. And so I remember trying to go over that. Well, the only reason I did that was because I was with a bunch of experts. Yeah. The experts have already done this hundreds and thousands of times. That lowered my level of fear and raised my level of trust. So when we walk into uncertainty, it is only uncertain to us. It is not uncertain to him. Yeah. Meaning that whatever creative challenge comes, God is more creative in a solution and he knows how to navigate it. As a matter of fact, I don't know how many of you have ever gotten a kick um, out of like watching someone get in a car for the first time or get on a plane for a first time or whatever. And you've already done it a bunch yeah. and you're looking at him and you're kind of like, Hey, 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 you know, cause you're laughing cause you know, everything's going to be fine. And they're scared out of their mind. I do that a whole bunch when I'm driving my boat and we're pulling people on the tube and they're just, and I know what the boat can handle. I know all that. They don't know any of that. And I'm slinging them around on this thing and they're terrified and I'm getting the biggest crack up because I know they're safe. Yeah. I've already done this hundreds of times, yeah. but they don't know that yet. So I just want to encourage us where we walk into uncertainty and really these times that we're facing are difficult, but actually they're more uncertain than they are difficult. Mm. Quite a few of us have actually been cared for rather strongly through this season. I've heard so many uh, testimonies of people saying, you know what, I really thought it was going to be worse and harder and I've actually done pretty good. Yes, there are some of us that have had extreme challenges and we've lost people, but the vast majority have really, it's been a lot lighter than we assumed, but because it's uncertain, it has taken on a big tone. I just need you to know that if you go into a dark cave with a spelunker expert, it's not as scary to them. They don't care. They've been there a million times. Um, so many good analogies there. <laughs> it, made me, it made me think when I was in Israel with Pastor Matt a couple of, a couple of years ago and we went crawling through a dark cave and couldn't see anything. I don't yep. think of myself as claustrophobic. <laughs> I went through that cave. <laughs> I was happy to be out of there when the time came. Uh, but, but I think you're right. I mean, I think, that, and I love what you said about uh, this time being being uncertain and the dot being a better word to to describe it. And, and ultimately, I mean, that goes back to everything we're saying about fear. I think we just have to ask, you know, we have to make the decision, what are we going to do with uncertainty? Are, are we going to live with calm wisdom? Are we going to place our hope in in, in Christ? Are we going to remember to go back to your, man, you're, you're on fire with your analogies today. I got to say, uh, go back to your Disneyland analogy of, uh, right. you know, the, the, the child next to the parent. Are, are we, what are we going to do with that uncertainty? Or are we going to kind of take the wrong off ramp and, and go into fear and, and start to spiral and, and magnify our problems so that the, yeah. the nine foot giant appears to be, uh, you know, appears to be 25 feet tall and, and everything else. Yeah. Um, and, and I do think, man, I just think it is so incumbent upon us to to just ask a lot of the questions that we've been engaging with throughout this episode the idea of okay what am I doing to keep myself healthy what am I doing to keep myself in the right balance I think about I mean just just to give a personal example I mean man I you know you know that, that Monday to in terms of days of the week Monday and Tuesday tend to be pretty full days for us in terms of meetings yeah. and different things and just try needing to be sharp and you know recording podcasts and everything else and I think about how this morning it's like okay I I set my alarm early. 
I, I got up and spent some time with the Lord just sitting outside. It was still 72 degrees at six in the morning, which is insane, but whatever. Uh, I went and, uh, and met up with a friend and we went for a walk and just were able to encourage each other and connect and, and have some time together. Uh, and then, you know, then it's like, okay, come home and, and get, get rolling on the day. And I think about how those simple practices of, okay, a meaningful connection with God and then a meaningful connection with a person I care about just sets the trajectory of my day in a, in a really, in a really positive way so that I'm not entering the day fearful and anxious and, Oh my gosh, what's going on now? If what I had done is just woken up and read the news for a half an hour, <laughs> that probably would not have set my day in the, in the right, in the right way. So, so right. I think that there are just ways that we can, uh, we can, we can, I don't know. There are just ways that we can, we, we can respond to uncertainty with practices and mentalities that are going to connect us with God, that are going to fill us with a sense of hope that can then lead to these other things. Or we can engage in a lot of these less healthy practices that are easy and convenient, but are ultimately sort of junk food for our souls, which can be, right. um, which can be pretty damaging. Now, uh, as we start to wrap up here, I want to, I want to ask you to, to give us some specifics in terms of uh, from where you're sitting, how do we go about building our faith and how do we go about correcting our theology so that we can be people who live with this kind of sense of, of boldness and courage that, that you've shown us in scripture and that you've been talking about? Yeah, no, I think there's three keys to it. Uh, there's probably far more than that. We'll just hit three keys. Number one is the power of reading the word of God. And what you're trying to do is getting into a different and more accurate frame of mind, but actually staying there. So, for example, the other day I was reading a book that was including testimonies of, of the healing of God. I literally closed that book and I was in a different place. I was ready to go pray for somebody. It shifted my perception. So when we read the word of God and we have it soaked in us, it was talking about David says, I meditate on your law day and night. It was the idea that when we are continually putting ourselves in that mindset, that creates something different for us. The second one is the importance of living in faith-filled environments, right? Because there are things, situations, and people that suck the faith right out of us. And that, unfortunately, many times can be your social media scroll, or that can be the news feed, right? Those yeah. things can pull it out because it magnifies problems and minimizes God. So once again, we need to live in faith-filled environments. That means being around people that build up our faith, reading things, watching things, listening to things, stuff like that. And then the third one is really testing God's reality. That means walking with him before we have all the answers, right? We need to build our faith from an experience of walking with him because it's really helpful to learn in these smaller things. So when the bigger things happen, we're more ready. So let me give you a, a simple example on that. Uh, tithing. Before a crisis hits where you are forced to trust God with your next paycheck, which may be from a job loss or whatever, before you get into those big things, there is a place where you can say, I'm going to give to the Lord a portion and I'm going to watch him bring blessing that fills that void. It doesn't always be a physical, uh, financial blessing. It can be peace of mind. It can be peace in the home. It could be encouragement or blessing with the things that you do have. But there is a blessing when we give over to the Lord. So if we did that during the peaceful times with, let's say, 10% or 20% of something, and we watch God walk, 
then the more times we see his faithfulness in those times, then all of a sudden when something big happens, we go, we're good. I've already walked this out before. So those would be three that I would kind of throw out. Yeah. Well, and I, I I think that um, all of those are great, but the the last one in in particular is, and this is something you and I've talked about a lot and that even that, that I've, I've just been wrestling with in my own spirit is 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 the idea and you, know, you use the tithing example but but I think this idea of of practices that that form our faith are so yeah. are so important in fact uh, a little shameless plug I'm leading a men's class this 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 fall on Tuesday mornings where we're just going to talk through different spiritual formation practices that can that can build our faith in sort of quote unquote peacetime so that we can be ready when yeah. things are uh, when things are difficult it's so important to have those practices because what they do is they teach us to trust God. They teach us that God is on our side. They teach us that God is for us. And just to use the analogy of practices versus playing in a game or competing in an event or or whatever, the idea that what these practices do is they prepare us for higher pressure, more tense situations. Uh, So the idea of, of being close with God prepares you to act with maturity in an argument. For example, the idea that you've trusted God uh, keeps you from totally freaking out when there's a job loss or a reduction in hours or, or things like that. And it's not to say that those things aren't difficult or significant, right. but it allows us to approach those things with a different mentality. It, it allows us to not react to these places of fear and anxiety and worry, but instead can allow us to approach these things with a little bit of a cooler head. And I just, and I don't know about you, like, that doesn't come naturally to me. That's something that right. has to be formed in me by God working in me and by me engaging yeah. in these practices that, that can help me uh, live in that manner. So, so I think that's just an important thing to keep in mind here is just that uh, the mentalities that we're talking about, uh, they don't just appear out of nowhere, uh, right. but rather we can, we can build into them by the way that we live our lives in moments of non-stress so that we're prepared to, to, to be strong and courageous in times of stress. Amen. Well said, buddy. Yeah. And one, one last thing I want to, I want to close with and then we'll, uh, and, and then we'll be done is just a scripture passage that, uh, that I was thinking about as I was preparing for, for this episode is, is from Romans chapter five and, and I'll, I'll, I'll read it and make a little quick comment. And maybe Lance, if you want to make a comment on it as well, and then we'll, we'll wrap is I was thinking about the beginning of Romans chapter five, where, where Paul says this, he says through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So we have access to God by faith, and we rejoice in the hope that comes from him. But then it takes it kind of an interesting turn where it says this. It says, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And here's, here's why that passage stuck out to me. And just my, my, own, my one simple comment on it is, is this, is that when our hope is in the right place, we can see our suffering, we can see our uncertainty as not uh, not a reason to freak out. And I'm an expert at freaking out when I'm not in a good headspace, right? 
as not as a reason to freak out, but instead as an opportunity for God to build something in us that is beautiful uh, and that is enduring and that and that is hope filled and that is and, and we can see our suffering and we can see our challenges as an opportunity to grow in character and to grow in our sense of finding our hope uh, in the right place. So that doesn't mean that our suffering is not real. It doesn't mean that our suffering is is something to just ah well it's not so bad. But what we can do is we can see a greater purpose in our suffering and in our pain and in our uncertainty. And I would hope that that could keep us from, from just totally living in the, in the fear space. God allowing us to go through trials, and he does, is always for the building up of the believer. Yeah. And I, the only way you can build muscle is by resistance. Yeah. And I, I think that we really want to live lives of no resistance and then wonder why we are weak. <laughs> and, and I would just say that there is something fun about walking out of the gym. Walking into the gym is horrible. Walking <laughs> out of the gym, uh, feeling like that resistance has built something in you, and yeah. you are now stronger than you walked in. And so I, I really want to just leave with the encouragement, you guys, in this season of resistance, our muscles are being built. And when we emerge out of this gym, we will feel more confident and strong in and of ourselves. And quite frankly, proud of what God has built within us. What better way to end the episode than with another great analogy? So, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well said. Well said. So, uh, all right. Well, hey, thanks, everybody, for, for watching and listening. Thanks, Pastor Lance, for, for your time, as always. Hope this was helpful to, to you all and, and just kind of inspired you to, to process your fear in a way that can, can lead to greater trust in God and can, can lead you to live with, with hope uh, and with boldness and with courage. So thanks again to, to, for listening. Thanks to Lucian and to Brenton for taking the audio and video and making it look good and sound good. And we will see you next time on Engaging Culture. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Engaging Culture, a podcast by Bridgeway Christian Church. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Music is used under the Creative Commons license and is provided by Dexter Britton.